If you've been blessed by the ministry of Dr. David Jeremiah and Turning Point, we would love to offer you two free ways to stay connected. Sign up today at davidjeremiah.ca slash magazine for a subscription to our monthly Turning Points magazine. Each exclusive issue is filled with encouraging articles and daily devotionals to strengthen your spiritual walk. You can also sign up to receive our daily email devotional and be a part of our community of friends who receive daily encouragement delivered straight to their inbox from Dr. Jeremiah. Written in a thought-provoking manner, this concise yet profound daily devotional delivers the refreshment and focus you need as you go about in today's world. You can join the more than 600,000 monthly subscribers who are building their faith each month through these free resources. Sign up today at davidjeremiah.ca. That's davidjeremiah.ca. What are you afraid of? That's more than just the title of our current series. It's a question that many people, including Christians, answer with one word, death. Today on Turning Point, Dr. David Jeremiah offers encouragement from God's Word to help you gain a better understanding of death and a greater appreciation for life. Here's David to introduce today's message, Death, the Fear of Dying. Well, thank you so much for joining us today. Um, This is going to be a good and wholesome and encouraging day, even though when you discuss the subject of dying, most people just don't want to hear about it, so you might be tempted to turn away. Don't do that. We're going to encourage you um, and help you understand what the Bible says about all of this. And if it's in the Bible and it's about this particular subject, you know God has an answer for us that will really uh, bring encouragement and blessing to our life. A lot of misunderstanding about all of this will try to clear some of that up as we go forward. Friends, we're in the midst of a series, um, and the series is called What Are You Afraid Of? And uh, it's based on a book called Hope, Living Fearlessly in a Scary World. Now, the book Hope, Living Fearlessly in a Scary World, has um, it has the details from much of what I've been talking about on the air during the month of March. As we move toward the end of the month, I want to make sure that you get this book because it will give you a permanent copy of what we've been talking about. And when you run into these issues like the fear of illness or natural calamity or failure or being alone or rejection, and you want to have a place to look To remember the answers from the Bible, this book will help you. It will be a great resource. And here's how you can get your copy. During the remaining days of the month of March, send a letter to Turning Point with a gift uh, to help us do what we're doing, uh, getting the Word of God out on the radio and on television around the world. Your gift will go directly to the cost of airtime and production and enable us to keep doing what we're doing as we teach the Word of God around the world. When you send your gift, be sure to ask for your copy of our monthly resource. It's the book Hope, Living Fearlessly in a Scary World. It's yours for the asking when you send your gift. Well, let's get started with the first part of this lesson. This is called Death, the Fear of dying. You know, we've been having such a great time talking about our fears. It's interesting to me that as we've gone through this, I can identify in my own life some places of fear that are part of each one of these things we've talked about. All of us identify with this. One of the reasons why we come and we want to talk about this, want to learn about it, is because it's so much a part of our life. 
you can't be alive and not experience these things. We've talked about a number of different kinds of fears. You might be interested to know that on all of the major lists of what people are afraid of, and I think this is probably not thought through very carefully by most people, the number one thing on almost every list, guess this, is public speaking. Now, that would say that people are more afraid of public speaking than they are of disease. I don't know that I believe that, but at least in the moment when they fill out their little questionnaire, they believe it, probably because they've been asked to do it and it strikes terror into their heart. But second or third on almost every list that I've seen during this time of research is the fear of dying or the fear of death. And that's because nobody knows what to think about it. If they don't know the Word of God, if they don't know what the Bible says, death is this big mystery to them. I remember reading that Woody Allen once said, it's not that I'm afraid of dying, I just don't want to be there when it happens. <laughs> he had apparently given some thought to this because he went on to contribute this encouraging line. He said, I do not want to achieve immortality through my work. I want to achieve immortality through not dying. I don't want to live on in the hearts of my countrymen. I would rather live on in my apartment. <laughs> and he probably expresses the sentiments of a lot of folks. It's interesting to me how we treat the subject of death differently than we treat any other subject. It is the ultimate obscene word for many people. Rather than simply saying, he died, think of the endless supply of euphemisms we plug in. We say, he passed on. He went to a better place. He was called home. He went to sleep. He departed this life. Or if Shakespeare is your thing, he shuffled off this mortal coil. <laughs> Did you know there's an internet page you can look up that has over 200 ways of saying death without saying the word. The poet John Betjeman wanted to know why do people waste their breath inventing dainty names for death? <laughs> and we do it, don't we? We all do it. Joseph Bailey tells us how foolish it is. For you see, death plays no favorites and cuts no deals. Dairy farmer and sales executive live in death's shadow with noble prize winner and prostitute, mother, infant, teen, old man. The hearse stands waiting for the surgeon who transplants a heart as well as the hopeful recipient. For the funeral director as well as the corpse he manipulates, death spares nobody. What if I promised you that we could change forever the way that you look at death. Perhaps move it out of the fear category altogether. What if we would take on this subject for a few moments from the Bible and pull death out of the terrifying darkness once and for all? If you'll stay focused, I think I can do that because the Bible does that. Before we go any further, we need to discuss what we mean when we talk about death. In the Bible, there are three different descriptions of death. Let me give you the key word for all three of them. It's the word separation. Say that with me, separation. 
In every three instances where death is mentioned in the Bible, it always involves separation. Let's begin, first of all, with physical death. What is physical death? Physical death is the separation of the soul and the spirit from the body. What happens when a person dies? Their body stays here, but their body without a soul and spirit is not functioning any longer, so the body is buried, but the soul and spirit go to be either with God or apart from God. And so physical death is first and foremost the separation of the soul and spirit from the body. It is a time of separation. If you study the Bible, you will see this come up several places. For instance, James 2.26 says, the body without the spirit is dead. When Rachel, the wife of the Old Testament patriarch Jacob, died while giving birth to their son, the scripture says, and so it was as her soul was departing that she called his name Benomi. When Rachel died, what happened? Her soul departed. Solomon describes the separation this way. He says, and the spirit will return to God who gave it. When you die physically, it is a time of separation, the separation of your soul and your spirit from your body. People are often confused about what happens at death because they hear people say, well, when you die, you go to be with Jesus, but then they go to a funeral and they watch the casket come and then they take it to the cemetery and they bury it. And they say, well, he didn't go to Jesus. He went into the cemetery. Well, his body went into the cemetery, but his soul and his spirit, which is who he really is, goes to heaven. Physical death is the separation of the soul and the spirit from the body. And let me tell you something, friends. I've been studying this very carefully. There are no exceptions. The statistics regarding physical death are 100%, except perhaps for Christians who will be alive at the rapture. <laughs> but that hasn't happened yet, so I can say with authority that death is 100%. Someone has wryly made this observation that death is the number one killer in America. <laughs> 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 physical death so I know this is kind of a serious subject but we don't have to be so serious about it I'll tell you this little story to lighten it up a little bit I heard about a doctor who went to see a young man and he says I examined your reports and I have bad news and worse news he says well what do you mean he says well I have bad news and I have worse news what news would you like to have first and he said give me the bad news he said well he said we've looked at your tests and you have 48 hours to live he says, well, what could be worse than that? What's the worst news? He said, we've been looking for you since yesterday. So, I mean. <laughs> All right, I'm glad to hear you laugh. <laughs> so physical death is the separation of the soul and spirit from the body. Now, the other kind of death the Bible speaks about is spiritual death. This may surprise you. <laughs> because it almost sounds like a disconnect, but let me tell you something that's true of every one of us. We were all born dead. Did you know that? We were all born spiritually dead because spiritual death is the separation of the soul from God. And when you are born, you do not have a relationship with God except for the protective custody of those who are under the age of accountability. We know about that. 
But spiritual death is simply your soul being separated from God. You don't have any relationship with him. You don't have fellowship with him. We are separated from him because of sin. And the Bible says the wages of sin are death. When sin entered the world through Adam, it spread to everyone so that every unregenerate man and woman is dead spiritually, separated from God. So physical death is the separation of your soul from your body. Spiritual death is the separation of your soul from God. And then there's a third kind of death that's mentioned in the Bible. And let me tell you something. This is the one you don't want to mess with. You don't want to experience this. Of all the other things I've said so far, please make sure you don't get on this list. This is called the second death. Even though it's the third on our list, it's called the second death. And we read about it in the book of Revelation. And the sea gave up the dead who were in it, and death and Hades delivered up the dead who were in them, and they were judged, each according to his works. Then death and Hades were cast into the lake of fire. This is the second death. And anyone not found written in the book of life was cast into the lake of fire. The last form of death, Second death is the final banishment from God and the final misery of the wicked in hell following the great white throne judgment. In other words, physical death is the separation of your soul from your body. Spiritual death is the separation of your soul from God. The second death is the separation of your soul from God forever and ever and ever with no hope of it ever being changed. I have often tried to bring understanding to this subject by using a little mathematic formula. So if you'll bear with me, I'd like to teach you a little math. If you have been born only once, you will have to die twice. But if you have been born twice, you will only have to die once. And you may even escape that if the Lord Jesus comes back before your physical death. You say, Pastor Jeremiah, what do you mean by those numbers? What I mean is this. All of us have been born once or we wouldn't be here. But if we are not born again through the Spirit and the Word of God, we will die twice. We will die physically when our soul is separated from our body, and then we will die spiritually when our soul is separated from God. But if we are born the second time through trusting in Jesus Christ, we may have to die once physically, but we will never, ever die spiritually. In other words, if you are born again, you will never die spiritually. You will never, ever be separated from God. John eleven twenty five 25 puts it this way. I am the resurrection and the life. He who believes in me, though he may die physically, he shall live. And whoever lives and believes in me shall never, never die. So if you want to live forever in the presence of God, you have to have two birthdays. You have to have your physical birthday and you have to have a spiritual birthday. If you are only born once, you will have to die twice. But if you are born twice, you will only ever have to think about dying once. 
That's the fact of death and the faces of death. Let me talk most of all today about the fear of death. I want to share with you some reasons why if you're a Christian, you should never really have to be tormented by the fear of death. There are only two ways you can ever face the future, no matter what it is. You can face the future by faith or you can face the future in fear. And if you know the Word of God, you will not have to be afraid. And there are several reasons why you won't have to be afraid of death that are presented clearly in the Word of God. And let me give them to you kind of one at a time and let's unpack them together. Number one, you don't have to be afraid of death because the prince of death has been defeated. The prince of death has been defeated. Listen to the words of Hebrews chapter 2 verses 14 and 15. Listen carefully to every word. Inasmuch then as the children have partaken of flesh and blood, that is us, Jesus himself likewise shared in the same. In other words, he became flesh and blood. That through death he might destroy him who had the power of death, that is the devil, and release those who through the fear of death were all their lifetime subject to bondage. The author of the book of Hebrews declares that Jesus has conquered death by death and has freed us from the fear of death. He says in the book of Hebrews that there are some people who live their whole lives in bondage because of their fear of death. Have you ever known anybody like that? People who are just paranoid and freak out over the thought of dying. I had a friend back in Fort Wayne when I was a pastor back there who was a very successful man. He ran his business out of the basement of his home. He manipulated stocks and bonds and he was very good at it. But this man was living in the bondage of death. I went to visit him one time and he showed me around and I noticed every room that I walked into there was an oxygen tank. In every room there was an oxygen tank in the bathroom. And then he took me to see his boat. There were oxygen tanks all over his yacht. He didn't have any place with it. And he had one in his car, one in the trunk of his car, one in the back seat of his car. And so I said, what's that for? He says, well, you know, I just have this thing about death and I think maybe if I have a heart attack or something and I have an oxygen tank, I'll escape it. And I wanted to tell him how foolish that was. But he's an illustration of a lot of folks. Now listen, the Bible says there's something that Jesus did when he died on the cross that delivers you from that. The Bible says that in his death and resurrection, the Son of God played the devil's own trump card. Just as David took the sword of Goliath and cut off his head with it, Jesus took the weapon of Satan and defeated him with that very weapon. The cross must have seemed like the ultimate victory for Satan, but it was precisely the opposite. When Christ, by his own death, paid the penalty for our sin, he took the sting out of the devil's condemnation. And when Jesus stepped out from the open tomb on Resurrection Sunday, Satan's defeat was absolutely certain. His weapon of death had been destroyed. He is still alive and active, but his failure is a foregone conclusion. He has to settle for winning the little battles because the war he started has already been lost to him forever. When Jesus came out of the grave victorious over death, he took death out of Satan's weaponry, and he can't hurt us with it anymore. I remember a story 
about a couple named Steve and Ann Campbell who live in Hampton, Tennessee. They were sitting at their breakfast room one morning and reading and relaxing, and they had a little dog named Gigi. I never heard of a dog like this. It was a Maltapoo, a Maltese and a poodle. And this little dog was asleep on the bench in the bay window, and suddenly a jolt rocked the room and toppled Gigi from the bench. And nothing was hurt but the little dog's pride. And the couple wondered what had caused all the commotion. They couldn't find any clue until they spotted a large hawk outside, lying beneath the bay window. The bird had swooped down with its talons out for Gigi, with no regard for the protective pane of glass. And a few minutes later, the hawk shook off its stupor and vanished into the sky, minus its canine lunch. (laughs) And that's exactly what happened at the cross. The devil wants to get his talons into us. The power of the resurrection provides a pain of protection that cannot be broken. Satan may knock himself out trying, but he can't hurt us. Because Christ died, we have lives that are forgiven. And because he came out of the grave, we have lives that are forever. The prince of death has been defeated. Number two. The power of death has been destroyed. 1 Corinthians 15 says it this way, O death, where is your sting? O Hades, where is your victory? The sting of death is sin, and the strength of sin is the law. But thanks be to God, who gives us the victory through our Lord Jesus Christ. In the book of Revelation, we are told that death has no part of any future that belongs to any believer. In fact, the Bible says when we get to heaven, God will wipe away every tear from their eyes and there shall be no more death, not even physical death. The prince of death has been defeated. The power of death has been destroyed. Here's the third one. The process of death has been described. Everywhere you go today, people want to know what's going to happen after a person dies. And all these wonderful books have been written by people who've come back from the grave. I don't know what to think about most of those. I'm sure you don't either. Some of them, I believe, some of them, I think, have been for good book sales. But I don't have to read some modern book to know what happens when you die because the Bible tells me. And I want to tell you a little story here that will help you understand what I mean. Jesus told this story in the 16th chapter of the book of Luke. And it offers a penetrating view of what happens after death. In fact, it may tell us more about life after death than any passage in the scripture. Here's the story. It's a parable Jesus told concerning two men, one rich and one poor. Now, the poor man's name we know. It was Lazarus. And we don't know the rich man's name, but we do know something about his lifestyle because Jesus tells us that this rich man wears the finest clothing, he eats the finest food, he has had the best, and he has let everyone know about it, even the beggars who lie at his gates trying to get some of the crumbs that he might drop to them. The poor man, Lazarus, who hopes to be thrown a few crumbs from the bountiful table, is not only hungry, But the scripture tells us, and this is pretty gross, that he's very ill, covered with sores, and the town dogs lick the sores on his body. He is one miserable creature living a miserable existence. Now watch. 
Lazarus does possess one thing that no one can take away from him, and that is his love for God. The rich man possesses one thing he can't keep, his life. Now, in the story, Jesus tells both men die, and on the other side of the gate that separates this life from eternity, the beggar Lazarus is carried by heavenly angels to the bosom of Abraham. Now he is kissed by the angels instead of licked by the dogs. The Bible just says that the rich man died. Hmm. You see, um, the subject of death is a whole different perspective depending on whether or not you know Jesus Christ. If you know Jesus Christ, death is a transition to the eternity with him. If you don't know Jesus Christ, death is the end of your opportunity to know Jesus Christ. And it's an assignment to uh, an eternity without God, which is a very unpleasant place, as you know. So, if you don't know Jesus Christ, this would be a good time to accept him. Maybe you've heard little bits and pieces of the gospel over the years. That's quite often what happens. You hear a sermon, you read a book, you listen to a radio program. All of a sudden, this information starts to make sense to you, and you realize the need that you have in your life to be a Christian, to be saved. And I want to tell you, you can become a Christian. You can get salvation right where you are. All you have to do is ask for it. And that's such a simple thing, it's, it becomes profound to many people. I want to tell you, the Bible says, what must I do to become a Christian? Believe on the Lord Jesus Christ and you shall be saved is the answer. So will you believe on him today? Will you invite him into your life? Will you ask him to forgive your sin and become your savior? Do it right now. Pray that prayer right now, and Jesus Christ will come to live within your heart. You can become a Christian. We'll finish our discussion on this subject tomorrow here on This Good Station. For more information on Dr. Jeremiah's current series, What Are You Afraid Of? Please visit our website where you'll also find two free ways to help you stay connected. Our monthly magazine, Turning Points, and our daily email devotional. Sign up today at davidjeremiah.ca slash radio. That's davidjeremiah.ca slash radio. Or call us at 800-946-4300. When you do, ask for your copy of David's timely and encouraging new book, Hope, Living Fearlessly in a Scary World. Stop letting fear hold you back. The book is yours for a gift of any amount. You can also download the free Turning Point mobile app for your favorite smart devices or search in your app store for the keywords Turning Point Ministries. Get all the details when you visit our website, davidjeremiah.org slash radio. This is David Michael Jeremiah. Join us tomorrow as we continue the series, What Are You Afraid Of? here on Turning Point with Dr. David Jeremiah. Legacy. When I think about my life and the legacy I will leave behind one day, I remember the legacy of faith I saw in the lives of my parents, and it is now reflected in the lives of my children and grandchildren. Then I reflect upon the calling God placed on my heart to preach and teach, and I think of the people who have been touched around the world through the ministry of Turning Point. Each of us will leave a legacy. Have you ever wondered what your legacy will be? In addition to the legacy that will be entrusted to your family, perhaps you have considered leaving your imprint on something with eternal consequences. 
Many people don't think beyond this life. They live only for today with no hope beyond the grave. But for the believer, we not only have an eternal perspective on life today, we want to leave behind a testimony of our faith so that others may come to know Christ as well. Long after you and I finish our time on this earth, Turning Point will continue to bring the unchanging Word of God to an ever-changing world. There is still so much work to do. Will you join me in this very important effort? What will your legacy be?